Well, it's come to that time of the week already, Lou. Another no. podcast. Really? I know. Already? Yeah, look, I hate to break this to you, but we are so close to, well, June kicking in and taking over. And oh, the first don't. day of winter. <gasps> Stop it. Oh, look, we mentioned on the show this morning, uh, you know, we're getting to those times where you may just have to not pour hot water on your windscreen, but no, at don't. least chip <laughs> off some ice, just enough to see where you're going early in the morning. Yeah, I wonder, do you get ice where you live? Because I don't get it up at my place. We're too high for frost. I'm up on a hill, so I get a little bit of, um, uh, not condensation, but whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so you don't get frost? Not, not complete frost. We're, yeah. we're working our way towards it. Uh, I'm, sure I'm sure it's only a few weeks away, but uh, look, as things cool down, uh, busy week on the show once again. I mean, we're only two days into it this week, and we've had a lot of fun checking out everything from overpriced food and drink uh, to... Because we're obsessed with food. Look, it's one of our favourite pastimes. <laughs> it it's a hobby. It's a hobby we both share. We love to cook. Eating. We love good food. <laughs> So we got it to those moments where we just went, wait, sorry, how much do you want for this cheese sandwich? I know. Seriously? Uh, we also had a great chat, and he was such a lovely bloke, and he's always a lot of fun. Uh, Lee Kernigan yeah, has a couple so of good. albums out, uh, basically celebrating 30 years of him as an artist, but also a live at Daniloquin Ute Muster uh, album too, which came out last month. And here's the big chat that we had with, with him, and what an absolute legend here. A triple M. Hey, uh, I've noticed you've been super busy uh, a couple of albums out. We'll get to the three decades of hits in just a sec, but what fun you've been having at the Denny Ute Muster. I mean, the crowds there for your live at the Denny Ute Muster album must have been phenomenal. Yeah, it was just like 20,000 Ute-loving legends at the <laughs> Denny Ute Muster. And, uh, you know, it was the 21st anniversary, there's a real sense of occasion there, and I got to um, record the live album. Uh, with the Wolf Brothers, who'd come up from uh, from Tasmania, so it was a rocking night, one I'll never forget. <laughs> um, who are your most receptive crowds? Like apart from the Jenny Ute Muster, which obviously they are just loving um, live music. Where yeah. would you say where in Australia is the best crowd that you've ever played to? Oh, yeah, well, look, probably Danny Ute Muster. Um, CMC Rocks is a massive show as well. The Gimpy Music Muster is another Ooh, huge yes. one. Um, but pretty well they're all bigger than the Bull Ring Bistro where I, in Lavington where I used to play. At the Siesta. Music. That's right, out oh, at the wow. Siesta. Wow. So how old were you when you were playing there, Lee? Well, I was in my 20s. So I wrote Boys from the Bush when I was 27 years old. Yep. So that album, The Outback Club, came out at 27. So it was around that time that I was um, yeah, playing Quando, Quando, Quando and <laughs> The girl from Ipanema and helped me make it through the night. Love <laughs> and that was my day. That was my day job that I'd play every night. Yeah. I love that dinner music. You yeah, can... um, I, I had an opportunity to make that very first album up in Sydney, and um, and that's when it all really took off. After that, I was going to ask: Was there a moment where it all clicked, where you just went, "This is going so much better than I expected"? The following January, after the release of the Outback Club, um, I was at the Country Music Awards in Tamworth, and uh, they called out my name for Album of the Year, uh, Song of the Year, and Male Vocalist of the Year. So that that was a game changer. And then we won the Aria a little bit later that year mm. um, for Country Album. And you know, so I found that I was just sort of on the road touring, um, never expecting it to last 30 years, <laughs> uh, but uh, having a great time along the way. Yeah, and that's the thing. It sounds like you've always had fun. I mean, obviously, it's hard work when you're trying to make a name for yourself. 
But can you believe, you know, with your 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 new album, um, three decades of hits, the very best of Lee Kernighan? Can you believe it's three decades? No, it's just, it just flies, you know. Um, but um, gee, I've travelled around Australia so many times. I've so much inspiration um, has come from my local area, um, the Riverina, of course, and, um, you know, albums like Three Chain Road and the Outback Club and Boys from the Bush. Um, but right across the country, so many uh, inspirational people that I've met along the way, great towns, great communities. And what I do is I, I just write songs about us, about our, our country and our way of life and put it to music. Yep. And that's why you've been so well-loved. You know, I think we – it's – now it's not as unusual, but you know, like thirty years ago, it was um, it was still country music was still about American country music to a large degree, wasn't it? So you coming yeah. out and telling our stories was such a game changer. It sort of all happened in the early nineties. Um, um, James Blundell, um, and I was I was on his way out west tour, and he's a great mate of mine. So he sort of kicked down the doors, and then along come Keith Urban. Um, I was out there um, touring with my first few albums. Um, Casey Chambers came along, Troy Casadaly, yeah. and uh, yeah, we were writing songs about us, yeah, yep. which was pretty unique at the time. Now, Lee, you're one of our most accomplished country artists of all time here in Australia, and there's been plenty of public accolades, uh, awards. We were going through uh, just before this interview the amazing list of golden guitars in your collection. Uh, how do you do? You celebrate personally when you hit a milestone like this, when you get to you know ten years, twenty years, thirty years. Do you just go right? I'm going to take time out, and I'm going to enjoy this accolade by doing this. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> does it? Is no, it a, because, yeah. How does it yeah. feel when you? I mean, you're so lauded. Does it start to get um, like a little bit par for the course after a while? Like after 38 golden guitars? Um, no, because um, as my dad said, son, always remember you're only as good as your last show. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and for me, it's you're only as good as you know your latest song or you know your latest record. Sure. So I'm always striving to try and write better music, better songs that sort of connect with people's hearts and minds. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm sort of really focusing in on, you know, what music I'll be bringing out um, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, that's what drives the national tours. But it's so good to be able to get back out on the road again after two years of, you know, pandemic. Mm. And now people are coming out in their thousands and we're playing huge festivals again. So it feels like the heartbeat is coming back to the nation. Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? Like it it really makes such a difference. We're such a live music nation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So many great memories of uh, it all beginning for me, though, in Aubrey, out at Murray High School, <laughs> forming my first band. And uh, oh. it, anyway, it, it, I'm, I'm very grateful to the um, to the Riverina and to the local community for giving me my start there. How I, often do you get back here? I get back about once a year, um, usually on tour. And uh, you know, last time I was there, I went to the commercial club. Um, I used to call Bingo. Uh, at uh, the commercial club during lunchtime, so give away the odd microwave oven. <laughs> and uh, but but the load in there at the back stairs um, is where I used to have to take a Yamaha Electric Grand piano up mm-hmm. every time I did a gig there, and oh, wow. I'd, I'd lug the PA up. Sometimes my cousin Steve would help me, and and it was a hell of a load in. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I took I the Wolf Brothers. Yeah, when I, when I was there last time in Aubrey, I took the Wolf Brothers and said, "Hey boys, come have a look at this. This, this was my load in 
Yep. And uh, yeah. And if you ever had a hangover, it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> it took twice as long. Definitely. Lee, with your with your early tours, of course, uh, one of the, one of the brilliant things you do is you have travelled the country many times, as you said, and you would have gone to vast reaches of this country that plenty of other artists have never gone to. Little tiny towns that they've never ventured to. But in the early days, you certainly would have cut your teeth back then. Was there any town that stood out for you for all the wrong reasons? Like you thought, my God, I'm going to get murdered by Shearers here, or you know, <laughs> this pub's about you know 60 seconds away from an all-in blow. Uh, I better grab my guitar as a defensive weapon. There was, there's been a lot more loving than there's been fighting out in those hat towns <laughs> yeah. across the country. But um, I remember, I remember there's one called Yarraka, population I think oh, 30. Yep. And uh, we did a big fundraising concert out there. And um, anyway, uh, we're trying to raise money for some medical equipment for the local um, bush uh, nurse nursing clinic. And uh, anyway, uh, about an hour before the show, um, the population had swelled from. Oh, 30 to about 50 and I thought this is going to be the greatest disaster of my career this show and um, to make matters worse um, Ray Martin had come out and he'd gone live on A Current Affair covering the whole thing (laughs) and uh, he said don't worry Lee we'll just bunch everybody up make it look like a big (laughs) party on TV they know all the tricks (laughs) but then uh, just as the sun was going down um, to the north south east and west we saw dust clouds oh and it was just the 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 sheer uh distance from any other towns that made people you know take took them time to get out there and anyway that night there was over three thousand people turned up wow we raised a hundred grand um for the bush medical clinic and it's it's a show i'll never forget that is phenomenal isn't it amazing isn't it um don't you feel privileged to be able to do something like that and make such an impact and difference in people's lives with that kind of money for a charity? You really do. Uh, and I'm so grateful to, the, you know, all the volunteers out there, you know, emergency service workers, paramedics, firefighters, mm. frontline nurses, all those real heroes of the community. And when you can get out there and raise some money for them and uh, help those local communities, that's what it's all about. And right now, we're getting into one of our favourite subjects of all time on this show. Food. Food. <laughs> but it's, we do talk about food. It's um, close to our hearts. Way too much. We, we love the culinary side of things, but not when it's pricey. Not when you look at it and go, no. sorry, this is my only option, but it's going to cost me how much? Mm, I know. And, that, and it does happen from time to time where you find yourself kind of caught short and you think, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind grabbing. I need to grab something to eat. I'm hungry. or Especially if you've got the kids. Yeah. And, you know, they're hungry. Oh, the kids are a big one. Yep. Um, and you just have to grab whatever's available. Um, now, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going way back, though, right, because this has stuck in my mind so much. <laughs> you can't let it go. No, I can't let it go. So in um, in the late 80s, Hubby Michael and I were doing our epic overseas adventure. Right? We were overseas for two and a half years. Yep. We found ourselves in Switzerland in about 1988. We arrived at the Zurich train station oh, in hello. Switzerland. Hello, as you do. And we hadn't eaten and we were starving. We're like, oh, we'll grab a sandwich. Just yep. grab something and then we'll figure out where we're going. Went to grab a sandwich, $7.50. In 1988 For a prices. ham sandwich, right? Yeah, in 19... 19- Just a ham sandwich? In 1988. Yep. It looked nice. The bread looked good. Uh, $7.50. And at the time, both of us were just like, oh, nah. And, of course, we're on a budget too. That's so like, like a week's seven, wage back yeah. in 1988. Well, 
figured it out with inflation in yeah. today's prices, that would have been a $20 sandwich. $20 ham sandwich. <laughs> I know. That's insane. So needless to say, we didn't get the sandwich. Mine's... Um, still, I could, I've never forgotten that. <laughs> Mine's a bit more recent than 1988, and it was actually at the Ginderous Swap Meet. $15 waffle cone. Because oh. we were just on the way out, and I thought, well, the kids were with me, and they've been well behaved. I'll go and buy them something special, yeah. you know, like an ice cream or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or look, came across this. There was no price on the actual stall. So you ordered? I've ordered three of them, and the woman behind the counter goes, that's $45. And I said, I'm sorry? And she goes, yeah, that's $45. And I'm like, $15 each for these waffle cones. They had a bit, wow. of, bit of ice cream. Were and they some, good? They were okay. Not $15 worth. Not $15 but brilliant? I, but... I wasn't the only one. The guy behind me ordered one for his daughter, and she said, yeah, $30. And he looked at me and then looked at her and said, sorry, what? Ah, uh, yeah, bit of a shock. It was a bit of a hit to the system. See, that's a rookie mistake. If there's no price up... If you have to ask, oh, you can't yeah, afford it. That's it. We are getting into right now your top weekend, those uh, moments that you just go, you know what? kind of wish the weekend didn't end after that. <laughs> Absolutely. And on our Facebook page, Triple M The Border, Stacey said, I went to Winton with my partner and daughter and we had the best time. Can't wait till next year. Oh, yes, excellent. of course. Winton was on as well. Saw yep. some great shots um, from Brad that works with us. Some great shots of the cars in oh, action. Beautiful. Yeah. For going to spend both days soaking up the autumn sunshine with my family. My auntie and uncle were here from Perth. Um, took my grandfather out of the nursing home. It's been four years since we've seen them. It was a lovely catch oh, up. So nice. Gee, that gives me goosebumps. So many stories of families finally getting back together. Uh, what about this one? Simon, performed a wedding and was MC and all the guests were Labor supporters. It was like being at a wedding during the grand final, except <laughs> instead of score updates, everyone was shouting and cheering for electorate seats. <laughs> That's so good. That's an incredible wedding. <laughs> That's very funny. I uh, found out too that our very own Alicia, who you'll hear this afternoon here at Triple M, was actually in attendance for Stars of the Border. We got her on the phone for an update. Alicia, talk us through this. Big Friday night, fantastic fundraiser for the Cancer Council. Some amazing stars in action. How did it go? Oh, look, it was my first one. I've never been to one before, and it was absolutely incredible. I mean, the just from the lights and the, the outfits, the costumes, but the confidence that people had up on stage as well was just incredible. I mean, the guy was amazing. He was yep. awesome. But to get up there and do what they did, it was just just absolutely like it was just inspiring to see all these people up there just giving it their all yeah. yeah fabulous isn't it it's a real testament to the dance teachers who give their time freely and who turn these people who've a lot of them who've never ever danced before and certainly no. never danced in front of a crowd um to give them the confidence to be able to do that pretty amazing Oh, and what also stood out to me, I mean, obviously they raised, you know, such a oh, huge amount of money yeah. for the Cancer Council, but what really stood out to me was how body positive it was too. It didn't yep. matter what shape or size oh, yeah. you were, everybody was up there dancing it, loving it, embracing their own bodies. And, yeah, and that nice. to me was such an important message as well. Now, yeah, agreed. It now, Alicia, for everyone. I know you're not supposed to play favourites. And I know that you're supposed to be cheering guy, on the guy. No, no, I was going to say I know you're supposed to be cheering on our home champion being Guy. But was there a standout dancer for you that was not Guy? Oh, um, I'm just trying to think. Jeez, oh, it was I Guy. Can't, I can't yeah, it was Guy. Like, I can't remember their names, but it was okay. the um, they were towards the end, and they did a, an incredible performance dancing together um, with a, a lounge suite and, and lamps. And, oh, oh. Yeah, it was it was very cool. I, can't, I wish I could remember their names, but That's yeah, okay. they were 
almost last, and they were they were amazing. Too. I mean, yeah. they were all great. They yeah. were all great. I've seen a few videos, and I had a couple of friends that were in it, apart from Guy and um, my mate Jackie. Shout out to Jackie who um, did the tango with Glenn. Oh, they were amazing. Rose in teeth. Um, no rose in teeth, but it was a traditional tango. Like it, there was some incredible footwork in that dance. Oh, wow. So oh, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, also shout out to Paula Thompson who, um, and, uh, Johnny, her mm-hmm. partner. Johnny Rodriguez. Yeah, Johnny Rodriguez, who was the second highest fundraiser. But Paula always does an amazing job. She's one of the dance teachers every year too. And, she just gets the crowd going every year along with her partner. So, I mean, that would, they were just a couple that I've seen videos of, but all, as you said, they yeah. do such an incredible job. Now, Leisha, did this inspire you for a big weekend of dancing? And it inspired me for a big weekend of telling everyone about it. <laughs> Good job. Oh, and maybe it made me think, maybe I could fit into that outfit that I don't think I can. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, another podcast done and dusted. Tell you what, we are hanging out for the weekend, Lou. Saturday coming up, the border monopoly. I've got to call this our grand final for Monopoly. Yeah, it is. Really, isn't it? Six people who get to uh, duke it out for 10 grand on the Monopoly board and not literally duke it out. I'm no, no, just no, using no. that it's as a... It's not a boxing match no, in the middle not. of Monopoly. Not at all. No, no, no. But, but you know, like playing uh, your hardest game of Monopoly for sure. Yep. Um, and going in, you know, with a take-no-prisoners attitude to winning that game of Monopoly because it's worth 10 grand. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to find our final two contestants because there are only six. If you're one of them, one in six chance at $10,000 is good pretty good odds when you think about mm. it. Uh, and it's all thanks to Vitasaur. Congratulations to the team. What a way to celebrate 20 years on the border. First and foremost, you've got this phenomenal local edition of Monopoly that you can't buy. And secondly, there is someone that's never going to forget your contribution to the region because they've got $10,000 to spend. It's a win, 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 Wish it was win. Us. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be there Saturday. So bring that on and bring on tomorrow's show, tomorrow from six. We'll chat to you then. Triple M.